wanted to start this podcast to share hunting stories of my experiences and what I've done over the years. There's so much more that is involved in hunting than just pulling the trigger and killing an animal. We want to be inspirational, educational, but we also want to have a good time and teach you how to have a good time as well. And on this episode, I have Andrea Grangroth, a guide, author, and an entrepreneur, business owner focused in the outdoor industry. My very first deer and elk, I killed all by myself on the public land behind our house because that was the place that I felt most alive, that I felt confident, I felt fearless. I felt like I'd do whatever out there. The second I got home, it was a different story, right? Like I was back to the fight or flight mode. One of the reasons why they love to hunt is they love to get away. They love the peace it brings them. They love that they can disconnect. They love that they're present. They love hearing the sounds of the birds in the morning. There's a common denominator there, I think, with all of us hunters, but it's just not talked about. It's not glorified. Welcome to Hunting Day with Stephen Robbins. Now for your host, Stephen Robbins. All right, guys and gals, welcome back to another episode of Hunting Day. And on this episode, I have Andrea Grangroth. And Andrea is a guide author and an entrepreneur business owner and she is focused in the outdoor industry and she lives currently in montana and we are very excited to have her on and to share different stories about her life as a guide and an author and even a business owner so andrea thanks for being on Stephen, thanks for having me it's a pleasure to be on this platform and chat with a like-minded individual and Um, I'm excited to see where our conversation goes today. I am too. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited about having you on and really excited about your book. So you have a book coming out. It's called What's Your Wild? An Untold Story. And the, um, if I remember right, the pre-sale, the early bird pre-sale has already ended, correct? Yep. So early bird pre-sale was essentially just like the discounted version uh so the pre-sale is still live the price just went up by a few dollars um the book is actually in the edit editing phase right now so you have the editing and then the publishing phase so all of the proceeds that i get from the pre-sale are just going directly into the costs of getting the book edited and published by a publishing company that that's very that's very cool and uh so let's talk a little bit about your book. Share with us any of the stories or anything that you think we would like to hear or know about. And uh, let's go from there. Absolutely. So my book is an autobiography. It's an inspirational memoir. Um, it's pretty funny. A couple months back, I was in the brewery down downtown and I was speaking with this older gentleman and he was asking my boyfriend and I like, what we do for our career. And my boyfriend very proudly told him, oh, Drea, she's she's writing a book. It's an autobiography. And he instantly just chuckled and looked at me right in the eye. And he said, all right, my dear, tell me in the 32 years of you being on this planet, what have you experienced that could be so inspiring? And <laughs> I, in return, chuckled. And I was like, And I I told him straight up, I said, well, I grew up in a very fundamentalist cult religion. Um, Let's see, I was sexually abused when I was a young child. And due to this religion, I wasn't able to deal with 
you know, the trauma of, you know, being sexually abused by my brother, but I found healing and solace and grounding and clarity and confidence and independence and grounding in wild places. And so my book is about overcoming, you know, some pretty horrible experiences because I had public land out of my back door. And then, you know, as I got older and became a hunting guide, I was able to share those experiences with other people. As I became a a raft guide on the Colorado River, I was constantly humbled by the power of the water and like realized that Mother Earth is the ultimate like teacher there is. So my book is a lot about mental health. It's a lot about like the struggles I faced as a girl, like I, I had no confidence. I was very insecure. Um, you know, I was constantly living in, in fight or flight mode. Like I felt very afraid being in my own home. Like I would have nightmares every night. I wouldn't leave my room to go bathroom in the middle of the night. I would essentially like pee on the carpet in the corner of my bedroom. Cause I was terrified. My brother was waiting outside the door constantly living in fight or flight. But the moment I stepped foot, it was like this, this barrier. We had this big green grass yard and there was a tree line that surrounded our property. And as soon as I stepped into that tree line and wandered into the forest, I, my anxiety went away. I became calm. My heart slowed. I didn't feel like I was running away from anything anymore. I became grounded you know, that chaos in my mind slowed down and I was able to just breathe and let go. And, you know, I didn't realize that when I was young, like I was just doing what I knew made me feel good. Right. Like, yeah, I didn't have tools, you know, so this, this religion that my family, I should say they still practice, but this religion I grew up in is, you know, you forgive and you forget. And so when my brother sexually abused me, I was like, all right, we went to church. God forgave him. God forgives me. Um, I'm not trying to say like that religion is wrong or any other religion is wrong, but I, I believe it, um, it definitely affected me where for 15 years I didn't tell anybody, but that left some, that left a lot of damage within myself. Um, but because I had those wild places, I was able to like maintain my overall well Um, especially being like growing up when you're a child and you're already dealing with like, you know, what it's like to be a kid, um, to have hunting in the backyard, to be able to go fishing with my dad. Like I grew up in a family. Um, we essentially had a garden the size of a football field. We were all hunters. We all fished. So we fished along the Columbia river for salmon and steelhead. We grew every single fruit and vegetable possible living in Washington, it was the perfect climate to do so. So it instilled a lot of hard work. It instilled a very deep connection with our food and working hard to, you know, plant the food, to harvest the food, to go out and look for it. Like my very first deer and elk, I killed all by myself in the forest behind, on the public land behind our house. Um, because that was the place that I felt most alive, that I felt confident. I felt fearless. I felt like I could, I could do whatever out there. But the second I got home, it was a different story, right? Like it, I was back to the, to the fight or flight mode. So, 
Um, I share a lot of stories just like through my childhood, like those moments of um, that I explained here of like being out in the wild and um, just as I progressed in my healing and then, you know, going down the road of self-sabotage of, of drinking and doing drugs and, um, you know, not surrounding myself with, with good people or healthy habits and like being very raw and being very vulnerable in my book about like the reality of what it's like to not heal trauma within yourself, but always returning back to the wild places and how that is what grounded me, whether I was on the river, whether I was, you know, out for an evening scouting trip, whether I was out hunting, whatever it may have been. Um, and then progressing to becoming a hunting guide and really seeing those experiences with some of my clients where, you know, they have this opportunity to come out. Most big game hunts are five days. And so, you know, you're with them with a pretty short period of time, but you get to know them very quickly when you're sitting each day on a mountainside somewhere and there's got to be conversation yeah. and you, I, I see it in every client I have. I see it, you know, this emotional, this spiritual, this mental, like this very deep connection they have with themselves when they go out and, you know, ice, not isolate themselves, but disconnect from the world and really have to be present. Like you have to be really present when you're hunting. And that's what I love most about it. Um, so yeah, my book is my last or my 32 years of life of, you know, some pretty raw and real stuff that a lot of people don't want to talk about, especially in the hunting industry. Yeah, It's not, it's not, um, it's not talked about. I've, I've like kind of have, there's like this good and bad, like with, with everything, but on social media, you have your good, you have your bad, you know, like there's a lot of like drama right now about like how women are taking hunting as like this like sexual thing. And then you have people who are like, no, it's just a real deal. Like we hunt because this is who we are. Like I hunt and I guide it's because it's who I am as a person it's like what gives me purpose. It's what fuels me. It's not because ooh, these Sitka pants make my butt look really good. That's not what it's about. Right. right? It's so much bigger than that. It's who we are as people. Um, so yeah, I could 20 minutes, half hours, not enough to, to tell you all the tales about my book, but it's, um, I'm, I'm very excited to get it into people's hands. I, I really hope like we were talking about earlier, I hope it like inspires some parents to get their children outdoors and, hope it inspires some children or some parents to like educate their children. I wasn't educated when I was a child on, and I'm sure that's due to the religious upbringing. Um, I wasn't educated on like what's right or wrong. So when I was being sexually abused, I'm like, okay, this is just normal, I guess. Okay. Like whatever, but it's not as we all know. Um, and so I hope my book can just inspire a lot of people in many different ways. Um, but the main focus of my book is wild places and how I believe mother earth is like the ultimate teacher and, um, she will humble you very, very quickly. <laughs> wow. So that is a one that's very, that's a difficult story to hear. And so I'm, I'm very glad that you were able to come out of that and to heal from that. And so I, 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 I really don't know what to say to that, honestly. And so, um, 
I'm glad you shared that with us though. And that is definitely something that I think, like you said, I mean, more people need to be made aware of, of that. And the fact that you could come out of a situation like that to overcome it, um, that one says a lot about you and who you are. And I think that's amazing. And to be able to share that with other people, I think that takes a lot of, uh, a lot of guts and a lot of courage. And so that is amazing in itself as well. And to be able to turn a situation like that into an inspirational situation and try to inspire more people to get into the outdoors, to find a place of healing. I think that's amazing. And, uh, thank you for sharing that with us. I I really do appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's insane how many people I have, um, so like when I first started my healing journey, when I first like, I like, I had to like take it by the reins and just run with it and own it because for so long I, I let it define me. Like I, you know, I, I believed I had no self-worth. I believed I wasn't worthy of love. I believed that I would never be successful in life, that I would never find happiness. I was just in this like <laughs> fog for most of my life. And as soon as I started owning like my my truth the amount of people that confided in me about also suffering some sort of trauma in their life was absolutely heartbreaking there i was like i there's no way i i can't not tell my story because just from talking to these few people in one town you know like the one town that i lived in there was 15 plus people within like a couple weeks that confided in me and they're like and most of those people hadn't told anyone and they were, they didn't know how to, to deal with it. They didn't know how to handle it. But I found it really interesting that a lot of those people also were fellow raft guides. And, you know, there was a reason why they loved being on the river. And it was one of the same reasons that I did is because it, it humbled us. It brought us peace. You know, there's something about rowing a boat down through the water and having to, like, trust the river, but also have to be, like, you know, this river can kill any of us at any point. Um, but you know, I've got to be smart about it. And like I said, it's just something that's not, I don't feel like it's talked about very much in the industry, but if you, if you talk to every single hunter that hunts, I guarantee you, everyone has a common denominator. One of the reasons why they love to hunt is they love to get away. They love the peace that brings them. They love that they can disconnect. They love their, that they're present. They love hearing the sounds of the birds in the morning. There's a common denominator there, I think, with all of us hunters. But it's just not its not talked about. It's not glorified like these other things are. Like, look at this big set of elk sheds or look at this trophy buck I killed or yeah. look at I, I caught, you know, 15 fish in one day. Granted, we love that. We love the success. You know, it's the icing on the cake. But there's so much more to being a hunter that's, and for each of us, it's personal, right? It's, yeah. we have our own reason. Um, and that's one thing I love about being a hunting guide. Like I've mentioned is, you know, I've had some pretty like mind blowing experiences with some of my clients where they come out and something com- like happens and it's like out of their control, but it was like meant to happen because, you know, being able to be in a, a place where, you are really disconnected and emotions arise, challenges arise, clarity happens. Um, it's a really beautiful thing. And I think I'll always be a hunting guide. One of my, my good friends 
he told me one time, he's like, I don't know how you do it, Drea. Like, I just want to go out and hunt for myself. Like, I don't, I'm never going to be a hunting guide again. Cause he guided for a very brief time. And I said, well, that's your reason. I'm a hunting guide for other reasons. It's not, it's not for getting my clients an animal. That's not the full purpose. And this last year I had my most successful season, nine out of 10 clients. I harvested an animal for them and some of them even doubled up. And I realized this last year it was because it's not about the harvest, but it's about like being 100% present out there with the wild and like with my clients. Yeah. Um, so I share a lot about that in my book as well. I share quite a few hunting stories that have really like been impactful to me. And I think they're important to share. Very cool. That is so nine out of 10. And I love what you said there. As far as the success, you know, that is the icing on the cake and to be present and to, to be there, you know, in nature, but to be there with your client. And, you know, from, from the beginning, we have said that there is so much more involved in hunting than just pulling the trigger and killing an animal. And that has been in our intro from episode one. And, and it, and I love to hear other people talk about that because I know I'm not the only one. And the fact that you put others above yourself because you are a guide. I, I have friends who are guides and, you know, it is a very selfless thing. I mean, I know that you get paid and it is a profession, but to truly love the outdoors. Now, I'm not saying everyone has to be a guide to love the outdoors, but to truly love it and want to share it with other people and to make sure that someone who comes hunting with you, uh, yes, you want to get them an animal, but your goal is to show them something that ultimately they would have never seen by themselves. And I think everyone comes into the outdoors for different reasons. And I've said this in the past, most of the people that get here, they stay, they stick. And, and it's for various reasons. And some of which you have, already covered and you know it's uh I wasn't really sure where this podcast was going to go but I I'm you know it's one of those things where the outdoors does so much for people and nature and just the way that it was designed and how I don't want to say so many people because that's very generic but how people will take it for granted you know they live in the concrete jungle and you know, sky rises and different, you know, large buildings and cities. And, you know, they don't get the joy and the peace that, you know, those of us who do go and venture into the outdoors. And I, it is my wish and ultimately my goal to share with everyone that will listen how great the outdoors is. And, you know, to to figure out how that happens, I, I don't know. I, I know that this podcast reaches people that, um, for whatever reason, you know, non-hunters do listen to this podcast. And we've been, you know, people have reached out to us and they're like, hey, you know, we, we just kind of thought hunting was a bunch of rednecks that were running around shooting deer. And it's like, you know what, there's, there's a sense of... Um, calming and comfortness that you know we kind of find and we have found through 
through being in the outdoors and and not everyone needs to hunt to be in the outdoors i mean it could be just as simple as going hiking or going out and taking photographs you know if, if a lot of photographers they you know they still technically hunt that animal because they have to get in close and they have to be you know undetected and uh you know they've done everything that we as hunters want to do which is get close to animals and I think that that's very, very appealing now to a lot of people, and especially over the the course of what the the entire world went through with COVID, and you know, it kind of I think opened the eyes for a lot of people that society is. I I don't know. I think we're getting pretty deep here, but um, I think society has taught us the wrong way for a long time that, you know, this is, you know, maybe it was a good reset for us. And, you know, that was a terrible thing that happened with COVID and, you know, a lot of people, um, died from it and it was, you know, unfortunate. But I think if you find the silver lining in things is a lot of people started working remotely and they ventured out into the suburbs and into areas that they typically couldn't with their, you know, um, occupation. And so I think that was a rabbit trail (laughs) and I I apologize for that. Um, so I'm going to kind of come back to you here on this and, uh, you had mentioned whitewater rafting. You were a, a, a guide as, you know, a rafting guide. So that's kind of like two extremes, right? You go from, um, hunting, which is very calming and peaceful. I feel like whitewater rafting would have to be such an adrenaline rush. And, uh, you know, like what goes through your mind when you, when you're doing something like that? Um, yeah, so it's definitely, there's definitely the moments of adrenaline. Um, the stretch of river that I was primarily guiding on was the Colorado river. So we were doing, you know, the average trip that, and like the most popular trip was a nine mile stretch down the Colorado river through the Glenwood Canyon, which is breathtaking. It's right along I 70. Okay. Um, and so, you know, the first two miles are throughout the year are class three water. So the dam, the Shoshone dam is always releasing enough water that you have a really fun, like splashy, very like manageable section of water. So like I've, I've taken a five-year-old down that stretch, that stretch river all the way up to like probably an 80 year old. Okay. Um, because at certain water levels you can granted spring runoff is always a lot of fun where, you know, the water gets high and I've had, I had a very good career. I didn't have any boat flips. Um, I had a few swimmers where people would fall out of the raft. I personally never got ejected. Thank goodness. That would be terrifying because everyone on that boat would just be like, all right, (laughs) you guys are done for. Um, And so, you know, you have that first two miles of just like, you know, you've got to be prepared. You got to be ready. You got to, there's a line you've got to take down safely. Absolutely. I always had nerves every time I jumped off the bus and carried those boats down to the boat ramp because I respect the water. I've, I've seen a lot of, um, unfortunately I've seen some deaths on the river. I've seen, you know, a lot of, what we call carnage. So a boat flips or people fall out or a boat gets stuck on the rock, things like that. But I had a pretty good 
good uh, track record with that. But after mile two, it turns into a pretty like mellow float, which um, was very, very beautiful. So it's a pretty mild, like class two water floating down. Kids are swimming a lot. There's a lot of like customer service that's involved and babysitting that's involved. These people come out and they, you know, their kids are on their boat and they expect you to um, take care of their children for the remaining seven miles <laughs> of river. Um, but I met a lot of really cool people from just all over. And, you know, it's really interesting to look back on my time frame of life. Like when I moved to Colorado in 2012, I was still practicing uh, the religion that I grew up in. My life was completely sheltered leading up to that time frame. So like growing up, I couldn't participate in sports. Um, there was no drinking, there was no TV, there was, I didn't go to prom, you know, there was none of that. It was very fundamentalist, very like straightforward, very modest, simple living. And when I showed up at Whitewater and <laughs> the raft guides were sitting in the raft at the end of the day, having beers, I was like, oh my God, these people are alcoholics. I have to leave out the side door. <laughs> it was a culture <laughs> shock for me because I didn't know. I, d I didn't know what beer smelt like. I didn't know what the world even consisted of, but there was such a strong sense of community um, within Whitewater of just like good people. And like everyone was there for one reason, it was the river. So Whitewater is a big part of my book because that is essentially like a place that was like a place where I was able to like discover the world. Right. Like I, I truly felt like I didn't really discover who I was as a person until um, I left that religious teaching and sort of like embraced my healing journey. Um, and Whitewater was kind of where it all started. And then after 10 summers, I was just like, all right, I think my time here is done. Um, time to move on to like sort of the next chapter of my life. Yeah. And so does that, is that what brought you into owning a, uh, hunting gear and uh i guess a clothing company as well um ridge patrol is your company correct yeah so those two things sort of it was like as i was ending my 10 years at whitewater i was also uh essentially starting ridge patrol so my business partner she lives in steamboat springs colorado and i met her because i went i went to her place to try on one of the prototypes that she like all the prototypes that she had started. So she started like the very fundamentalists, like the very fundamentals of um, the company, right? The logo, okay. the, the camo design, um, the name, like the branding, like the idea behind creating clothing for women that doesn't only like perform and whatnot, but it's like, it looks good on you. Like when I wear Ridge Patrol or like any other clothing that fits well and looks good, like, and it performs, I'm going to want to like hike to the next ridge. Like I have this extra confidence about me yeah. versus if I'm wearing like these really uncomfortable clothes, don't perform, don't look good. So she, she um, started all that. And I met her because I went to try on some gear and um, she really appreciated my feedback because um, I was a big time hunter. You know, I was a hunting guide. I was about to head out to Arizona for a mule deer and cues deer hunt. And so I took, the pants with me and tested them out and started getting photography, um, like getting photographs for her kind of started helping her with her Instagram. Cause she didn't really have any experience in that. 
Um, and essentially she asked me to come on as her partner. And so now I'm sort of running with it and we've got some really cool articles that are in the process of being, um, so they're designed. And so now they're in like the prototype phase. So we have our very first line, which is like a spring fall line of like your basic layers, your pants, you know, your shirts, your hoodie, your jacket, your fleece. And now we're moving into some rain gear and um, another round of like a 2.0 pant from what we had before. So it's been really exciting. Like the what I love most about Rich Patrol is the um, like this the confidence. I've had the I've had the pleasure to hunt with quite a few ladies who were wearing Rich Patrol and to see the confidence that they possess when they have our clothes on, like they're able to move freely up and down the mountain. Um, it's very comfortable, it performs, but for some reason they just like have this like confidence about them. And I know that they're gonna have just that much better of an experience yeah. out in the field because it starts with that confidence. And then the sisterhood, you know, it's, um, you know, hunting has, especially out West, you mentioned you haven't really elk hunted before, but like ever since COVID, the, um, the big game hunting out West has like blown up. It's if you go to a trailhead in Colorado, like last year, we went to a trailhead in Colorado for the last week of season on a women's hunt. And there was 50 vehicles at the trailhead. Oh, no we're way. like, well, we're not going to go hunt here because I don't want to have to feel like I'm competing for these elk or, you know, trying to find a place. Uh, simply to just hunt them. Um, but, you know, the the demographic of women hunters has drastically risen um, and there is a need for it. Like we get a lot of feedback about how people are very happy to see a clothing line that's like, we're in it for the real deal. Like if you hear my story, it's I'm not just like trying to like make money off a pair of clothes. Like I know what it's like. My mom used to sew us. <laughs> unisex clothes that I had to grow up hunting in fleece pants that I had to, you know, crank way up to my chest and then roll them down. And I was always so uncomfortable and restricted and and how I was able to perform. Um, but yeah, Ridge patrol is going on about year two now and we love it. It's great to see, um, these really like these women embracing like harvesting animals on their own or like, really coming down to like what you and I were talking about earlier is why we hunt, like why we're a hunter. It's not, it's not about, you know, that trophy on the wall, but it's about each individual's um, connection and like experience that it brings them. Yeah, no, that is, that's awesome. And, you know, I feel like Rich Patrol is going to be a success because you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, you you feel good and you're going to go to that next ridge you're going to go to that over that over that mountain and you know i grew up here and look good feel good and it's you know i I get we're outside and we're in the outdoors and we're being camouflaged you know but there's still a sense of look good feel good no matter what you're doing in life and i can tell you when april started hunting i guess it's been about 14 years ago now there weren't many options for females and she was constantly in a battle of 
buying a man's pants and exactly what you said she'd have to you know hike them up and roll them down and you know it's uh where the industry has gone over you know the, the last decade has been great and to see new companies like yours pop up and to see that you know you're an actual hunter you're a person you're not just some big corporate company trying to make money you you know ultimately you started a business to make money but you are also providing a solution and companies that provide solutions i think are what we need versus companies who are trying to make money and so my hats off to you and your business partner i think that's awesome and really look forward to the success that y'all are going to have Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I feel it in my soul. I feel like it's, you know, they say it takes five years for every company usually to make a profit or to like find success, but I've, I've already seen the successes in, in so many ways that it's, it's, um, it's really cool to see. And we're going to be launching, this is the official announcement. Um, no dates yet, but we are going to be launching probably by the time this airs in the next week or so we are going to be putting out an application for a pro staff team. And so I want to bring on roughly 10 women who are willing and like who actually have the desire to be part of something bigger. So, you know, we're not just giving them discounted gear and asking them to, to share these images on social media. We want to have like a monthly zoom call where it's like, all right, let's brainstorm here you know, what's going on? What do we need? How could we improve this piece of gear? We've got this new piece of gear coming out. Who wants to test it? All right, sweet. You're in Michigan. Let's send you this piece of gear because Michigan's completely different than Montana. So like, it's not feasible for me to test the gear out here. Um, Opportunities for women to be able to come to the hunt expos, the very few that we do, but to be able to have that presence and to help us with the booth Um, you know, that overall like sisterhood, we're going to be doing a Ridge patrol hunt every year. So our pro staff will automatically be, you know, invited on that hunt. We'll film it. We'll get it up on our YouTube channel. Um, but it's been me for the majority of the time doing all of this grunt work. And I'm, I'm looking for a team of authentic women who live and breathe hunting or fishing or the outdoors in some capacity that is willing to, um, to grow with us and to like something that they actually want to do. I don't really want you huntress girls jumping on our team. I'll, I'll push you away pretty quickly. Um, so don't bother applying if you're in it just for the likes, cause that's not going to last very long. <laughs> Absolutely. So, well, Andrea, I really do appreciate having you on. This has been Uh, An episode of overcoming, I think, is probably the best way to describe this episode and inspirational. And I really do appreciate you sharing with us what you shared. And I do look forward to the success that I think is coming your way and that you've already started to see. And I think it's just going to get better. And, uh, you know, if anybody that would be a listener willing to get in touch with you, what, what would be the best way through social media? Social media is good. Um, so you can go to my personal page, which is what's underscore your underscore wild. My website is whatsyourwild.net, which is where you can pre uh, buy the presale, like get on the presale for my book, which I also have like a contact me form on my website. Um, our Ridge Patrol website also has a contact us. So you can 
There's many different platforms to reach out. Ridge Patrol is just ridgepatrol.com. Um, so any of those platforms work. I manage all of them. <laughs> so you'll find me at either one of those. Awesome. Awesome. One last question I have, and I asked everybody this that comes on the um, show here. If you could hunt anywhere in the world, where would you go and what would you hunt? I want to go to Alaska and shoot a caribou with my bow. Okay, nice. Very nice. That would be that would be challenging, that's for sure. Yeah, but I hear it's actually pretty doable. There's um, some spots in Alaska where you can hunt public land and it's an over-the-counter over the counter tag it's just a matter of like having the funds you've got to get a pilot you know to fly you in yeah. but i think it's probably a little bit more doable versus some of these places where you need 30 points to draw the tag yeah awesome so, so that, maybe it may be a future, future ridge patrol um episode on our youtube channel no oh, that would be awesome i'm looking forward to it and i just want to say to all of our listeners we thank you we we love the fact that you continue to show up week after week for us and support us and so we just we want to extend our gratitude and say thank you very much and keep hunting and keep doing what god calls you to do thank you for listening to hunting day with stephen robbins don't forget to like comment subscribe if you'd like to follow you can find stephen on instagram at stephen hunt day and facebook at stephen robbins hd If you'd like to reach Stephen, you can email him at stephen.huntingday at gmail.com.